0: Good morning, happy Mother's Day, ladies, um, for every mother who's a grandmother, who is a mother again, thank you for every aunt that's had to fulfill that role, for every adoptive mother, for every expected mother, and for every natural mother, thank you for what you're doing in our world, uh, you're making a difference in the world around us, amen. Um, you know, Mother's Day started in West Virginia, uh, Grafton, West Virginia, a little Methodist church uh, back in the 1800s. Uh, Ann Reeves Jarvis heard a prayer uh, right after the Civil War. She was one of 11 children. And she heard uh, this woman pray over all the moms who lost sons during the Civil War. And years later, she said, "There will be." A, the lady actually prayed, there will be a day of memorial for all these mothers. And that, la- that young lady in that crowd listened to that. And Mother's Day was born years later, and, and now we celebrate it. Mother's Day, believe it or not, is only second to Christmas for gifts. That's right. Mom's your second. Jesus is first, and you're right behind him. It's not a bad place to be. Uh, so you got right there. Uh, it's a cool thing. You know, one little boy was asked the difference. What's between difference between Father's Day and Mother's Day? He said, we spend a lot less money. <laughs> it's true. I'm like, why? It is true. Uh, Mother's Day is, again, four scholars were arguing over bi- biblical translations of which ones were the best. One scholar says, I like the King Jimmy. I like King James for its eloquent English language. And another one argued, well, I like the American Standard Version because it, I like the way it flows and it's very literal. And another one says, well, I like the version, I like the NIV, the way it, it reaches out in its content and grabs our attention. And then the fourth scholar said, well, I like my mom's version. And he was like, you mean your mother? They kind of chuckled. He said, your mom translated the Bible? He said, yes, she did. He said, she took every page and lived it every day. Amen. I'll take my mom's verse. I'm thankful in my life. Um, I've got a lot of really cool moms. My wife is a wonderful mother and grandmother uh, to my children. I have, I have a daughter who has a daughter, and I have a daughter-in-law who's about to have a son and will have a grandson. I'm thankful for my mom who's still with us. Amen. Uh, she is uh, beautiful and 75. She's not feeling well today, but uh, we'll celebrate with her later in the week. But as I was thinking about mothers, they always think. You know, I I didn't know know there was a poverty line. When I was a kid, I mean, the word poverty line never came up. I just thought that's how people lived, right? right? I I just thought everybody had tomato soup. (laughs) I thought grilled cheese was, I thought peanut butter was just a natural thing, right? I didn't know. I mean, nowadays, it's all poverty line stuff. But I remember when my parents were divorced when I was really young, my mom would work two and three jobs at times. Um, She worked at the State House and Stone and Thomas, uh, I remember getting her piling us in the car at midnight or one AM to take buzz buttered steaks to Bull Creek to deliver to coal miners. You know, she'd pile all four kids in the middle of the winter and drive us at midnight or one o'clock in the morning to deliver lunches uh, to coal miners. I mean she did everything it took to to keep us where we needed to be, to make sure we were fed. I remember sleeping in in one bedroom in the wintertime. We had we had baseboard heat and and when we had she would shut all the doors, and all five of us, me and my three sisters and my mom, would be in one room. And I looked back, I thought it was cool then, but looking back now, it was because this preserved energy. I remember me and my sisters taking a bath during those tight times, together, all at the same time. And I thought, thought we were just playtime. But you know what, looking back, she was doing whatever it took to survive. And I, I'm thankful that I had a godly mother uh, who is still with me and still leading and guiding our lives. Uh, but she, she sacrificed... And mothers, you sacrifice a lot. So thank you for all you've done, for all you're doing, and for all you're going to do. Amen. Amen. Good stuff. We had the, uh, several of us went down to Casting Crowns uh, Monday night. It was really good. Uh, who all went with? Casting Crowns? The rest of y'all. Steve, you were there? You didn't tell me you were there. You didn't put it on Facebook. If you don't put it on Facebook, it didn't happen, Steve. Uh, But we went, and uh, man, it was really good. I'm not going to lie. It's been a long time since I've been in the concert, and I I had a wonderful time. I really enjoyed myself. saw Jordan down there jamming. Jordan was there. Good time. Luke was there, doing what he's doing now, looking at his phone. Uh, But he was there, right, Luke? Uh, But but it was a good time. Uh, I didn't really think much about it. Uh, The exercise crew was like, hey, got some crowns coming. Tickets are $19, and I came home from Pittsburgh, and Kelly said, buy tickets, so i bought tickets. Um, and I'm glad I went, really had a good time, and uh, it was, it was, it was a really good time. Uh, Hoop and Sharon went, and uh, really, it's all fun. Uh, but thankful that you are here today, all the visitors, first-time visitors, last-time visitors. Uh, yeah. we, uh, we hope you come back if you like it. Eddie Hamilton said, I ain't coming back, it's my last time. Uh, Eddie, I hope is it's not your first, but I also hope it's not your last. Uh, But welcome to Living Faith Church. We're honored to have you with us today. I want to share a sermon uh, that the Lord's laid on my heart. Uh, If we turn to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7 its not a Mother's Day sermon. I don't really have a Mother's Day sermon. Uh, I don't know how you... I mean, there are Mother's Day sermons. There are biblical women in the Bible that we could study their lives and how God used them. Uh, But this is where God wanted to bring me to today. Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man... Or woman who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against it and that house and it fell and great was the fall of it. Let's pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, we thank you for mothers. Uh, we thank you for all those that are fulfilling the role of a mother for various and sundry reasons. Uh, Lord, I ask a special blessing upon every mother uh, in this place today, whether they're an aunt or a grandmother, or whether they're a natural mother or adopted mother. I ask you to bless them all in Jesus' name. Bless them financially. Bless them emotionally. Bless them spiritually. In uh, Jesus, just bless their lives. And Lord, right now I ask you to bless this word. Uh, may it, do what it's supposed to do, may it accomplish what it needs to accomplish, and may as focus our eyes on you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. The title of the message is simply called, Don't believe the storm. Don't believe the storm. You know, right here in Matthew chapter 7. Jesus tells us it's going to rain. Right? He didn't say it might rain, he didn't say it could rain. Didn't say there will be winds or might be winds. He said it will. It's going to happen. You're going to have storms in your life. Storms will come. Didn't say it's a 50-50 chance. I mean, I, you know, I look back. I should have been a meteorologist. All he got to do is say it, it might rain. 30% chance today. I mean, how, how many times am I going to be wrong when I say there's only 30% chance? Well, I didn't say it was 70% chance. I said 30% chance. I mean, meteorologist predict uh, 50% chance of rain. Duh. Right? I can flip a coin and get that, uh, get that element. Right? Should have been a meteorologist. But, but they, you know, these people, and Jesus tells us, though, it's going to rain. It's going to have storms in our life. We're going to have storms. Notice there are two types of people. You know, we've classified and characterized people by skin color, by race. We've characterized them by how much money they make. We characterize them by their education, the size of their homes, their paychecks. We have all sorts of ways we label people. But look at what Jesus says. There's only two types of people, he says. Those who build their house on the rock and those who build their house on the sand. That's it. I mean, He says you're either one or the other. You can, all those other characteristics, all those other labels mean nothing. It's all rock or sand. So, what's your house built on. Notice here Jesus also tells us that storms came. No matter if you're on the rock or if you're built on sand, you're going to face storms. You're going to face storms. Contrary to what you might have been taught, storms come no matter who you are and no matter where you are. A lot of people have this idea that Christians don't have problems. You ever heard that? Get saved and oh, all my problems went away. Really? You ain't been saved very long. You just got saved last night. And you slept the night away. And you haven't stubbed your toe yet. You're still in bed. Right? We got that. We got that. We have problems just like everyone else. The only difference is we now have someone to help us through those times, and we have Jesus himself. Matthew chapter 14, we read the story of Jesus and uh, is telling his disciples. The Bible says, and Jesus said, I'm going to stay with the crowd. I'll let the crowd disappear. You guys get in the boat, and you go to the other side. I'm going to go up in the mountain to pray. Pretty simple task, right? disciples did what they were supposed to do. Jesus did what he was supposed to do. The disciples get in the boat. The crowd disappears. people go home. Jesus is praying on the hill in the middle of the night between three and six a m The Bible says uh, the disciples are out in the middle of this sea of Galilee. The storm shows up wind the squall and boats tossing people are holding on for dear life. you ever been in a storm on a on a, on a river or on the ocean or anywhere i mean y 'all seen that you ever been on a cruise ship when when there was some uh, some pretty big waves. Anybody? Just me and Mark, three, four, five. Eddie has. There are some people being honest. I'll never forget my first cruise. Well, only, you know, I've only been on two, so I can't be. It literally was my first cruise. Um, Kelly and I were sitting there having breakfast one day, uh, and the bottle of ketchup went, just shattered and fell off. I looked at her, she looked at me, I was like, huh, oh, that's a pretty big wave. Right? I mean, when, when your boat's doing that, I mean, it's a big old cruise ship, right? I mean, there was a storm on out to sea, and it was affecting the boat that I was on, right? When you're in the middle of a storm, it changes things, right? It impacts you. And you're holding, you do kind of hold on. You kind of find the place and solidify down. I'm sure the disciples were holding on to anything they could hold on to, right, to secure themselves. And the Bible says that they saw a ghost. No, it, it got worse before it got better, didn't it? And they saw this, this ghostly figure walking across the sea to come to them. And they screamed out, it's a ghost. And they trembled. Whatever fear they had, the Bible said they trembled with more fear. They got more afraid. The storm was bad enough, and now i got a ghost coming at me. And, of course, Jesus says, it's me. It's just me. It's Jesus. Of course, you know the rest of the story. That's when Peter says, Lord, if it's you, bid me come. And Jesus said, come. Come on. And Peter gets out of the boat. He's walking. And the Bible says he immediately took his eyes off of Jesus and saw the wind and saw the waves. And began to sink. And he prayed one of the greatest prayers in the entire Bible, Lord, save me, right? That's what he prayed. Sometimes that's all we got. Sometimes that's the only prayer I have. About 15 years ago, I was flying to New York, Albany, New York, for an EPA audit. And I was on an airplane leaving Jaeger Airport, a turboprop, United turboprop. And I, I read the newspapers. This is before phones and iPads. You know, you actually physically read a newspaper back in the day. <laughs> I was going through the paper, reading the sports page. We just took off. And I look out, the, always like a window seat, I look out the window and I could count the blades. The blades should be moving, right? I could count them. They weren't moving. They were trying to move, but they were moving so slow, I literally could count all four blades on that prop. Hmm. Right? And all of a sudden, they try to get... It stopped. It got to a point where we were flying over to Field. The blades were not moving at all on this side, on the right side. Then we had the calmest flight attendant ever. Ladies and gentlemen, we were about to make an emergency landing. And she told us what to do. She said, I want to put your head between your knees. You're going to uh, assume the crash position. I'm thinking, huh, this is how it's going to go. Right? This is how it's all going to go down. I think you make it out of Charleston. And I, I'm sitting there on this plane. I mean, I, I mean kind of what Peter felt. I mean, there ain't a whole lot of time to contemplate, right? There ain't lot, I can't get out the Bible and find my favorite Bible verse and start quoting it. I mean, this is all instantaneous. And she was so calm and so polite and so gentle. And she said, when I tell you to do this, now! exactly what she did. I mean, it went from common polite to now, immediate. And here we are in this crass position. Guess what? I didn't have time to find my favorite song. I didn't have time to find my favorite Bible verse. Kind of was like Peter at that moment. Lord, save me. That's all I had in me. Lord, save me. Fortunately, we landed safely. You know, the fire trucks were out, and the guys in the silver, uh, their uh, FR fire retardant uh, clothes were all ready to, to put a fire out. Fortunately, there was no fire. We landed. Bad news is I had to get on another airplane an hour later. Terrible. Uh, psychologically that was kind of hard to do uh, but it was a jet so it wasn't a turboprop but man that kind of felt like Peter and that's all Peter had he didn't have time to go through the event and, and a flashback of his life and try to remember back when something else was going great all he knew at that time was say Lord save me right in the middle of his storm all he could say was Lord save me what I find amazing was you missed the whole point that Peter not only walked on water to get to Jesus he walked on water to get back Jesus has, Jesus has held his hand they, they walked back together Jesus didn't carry him They walk back together. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing stuff. But so here we are. The storm may be raging. The storm may be loud. The storm may look real. And guess what? I'm not saying it's not real. You don't have to believe the storm. You don't have to believe the storm. I'm going to believe the one who can calm the storm. I'm going to believe the one who can silence the storm. I'm going to believe the one who, even though it may be raging, he said, "I'll be beside you in the storm." I'm going to choose to believe that. I'm not going to believe the storm. Let's talk about storms for a moment. We're now inundated with 24-hour news cycles. I mean, let's be honest. When I was a kid, you would find out there was a tornado in Oklahoma three days after the tornado, right? Now you know as it's happening. right? you got storm chasers. What idiots. Why do you do that? You ever ask yourself, why do they chase tornadoes? They're unpredictable. And they're supposed to be smart people. Anyway, but we're inundated with 24-hour new coverage. We have the Weather Channel. Did y'all know this past winter, the Weather Channel was downtown at the Hampton Inn in the middle of that, one of those snowstorms we had. The lady was literally right there across from the Hampton reporting live from Charleston. That's right, from Charleston. We were getting pounded with unpredicted snow amounts. One of those 10 or 12 inches we got that we weren't supposed to get. You remember those 30% chance of snow? Uh, literally... Uh, and there they were, 24-7. And there are some people, again, they chase hurricanes, they chase tornadoes. And I'll never forget, um, back in 2017, we were going down to Ryan Flanagan's wedding, Labor Day weekend. Hurricane Irma was tiling up the coast to Myrtle Beach. Mark was doing the wedding. Several of us that worked, uh, worked all worked for the same company at that time decided we're going to go down to the wedding. Rick Christie went. You were staying at the Breakers down in Main Myrtle. Am I wrong? Uh, we got in on Friday night. Kelly and I drove down that Friday. And I swear to you, Luke Combs' song, Hurricane, was on every eight minutes. And we knew what we were getting into. But that's, I mean, satellite radio had hurricane. I, I mean, it played eight times on my trip to the beach that day. And I thought, we're going into a hurricane. So we get down. I don't know. It's five, 4, 3 or 4 o'clock we make to the beach. We're staying in Cherry Grove, which is north of Myrtle. And I remember calling Rick. We were going to eat steak that night. And Rick was like, "Gosh, it's raining sideways. It's raining sideways. <laughs> Winds are blowing. It's crazy down here. We're, we're up in Cherry Grove. Like, Rick, you're crazy. It's not that bad up here, brother. Of course, we're like 30 minutes north. It's raining sideways. That's all we can We can almost see Rick doing his hand. Remember? He's sideways. So, look, man, we're going to meet for dinner. We went to Chuck's Steakhouse. Remember that? We went to Chuck's Steakhouse. I will tell you this. Don's steak is better than Chuck's Steak. That's all I'm going to say about that. That was not a very good steak. And it's still there. Oh, wow. So, sure enough, the further we got to Chuck Steakhouse, we started seeing sideways rain, Rick. We started seeing 65-mile-an-hour winds. We started seeing light posts. Whoa, whoa. Now, fortunately, by that time, Hurricane Irma turned into a tropical storm. She was about 65 mile an hour and four and a half inches of rain has all hit Myrtle Beach in a 24-hour cycle. Um, still a lot, um, but, you know, sideways, Rick. Um, but, man, we, we, we drove into that. We knew what we were getting into. But the really cool thing is the next morning, you didn't ever know that stormed. All that raging, all that wind, all that rain, all the sideways stuff, it disappeared. The storm was loud. The storm was noisy. The storm was dark. The sea was angry. Actually, it's really cool to see. I've always wanted to... I wanted to be in a hurricane without being in a hurricane. Does that make sense? I wanted to see the big waves, and, but I didn't want to be affected by it. I don't know if there's a way to do that other than like some sky cam, which goes out in like 30 seconds. Uh, but, but we saw all that and the next morning... Other than some debris, you would have thought nothing ever happened the day before. The storm is loud and noisy and it's dark and as sideways it was. wasn't always telling the truth. The storm ends. So don't always listen to the storm. Don't always listen to the storm. The next morning, the sideways rain, the darkness was all replaced with sunshine and a calm beach. Storms do not last forever. Don't believe the storm when it says it does. Some of you today are going through a storm and you think this is going to last forever. I'm here to tell you this morning, this storm is not going to last forever. Don't believe the storm. Trust in Jesus. Trust in Jesus. Maybe today you've been believing the storm you're in right now, that it will last forever. I have good news. Don't believe the storm. The storm, though, is real. It's temporary. It's a temporary thing. Though it's loud, it will be silenced. Though it says it will, please understand, those clouds is the sun. Behind those clouds, it rained all weekend here, right? Friday and Saturday was nasty. But I promise you, behind those clouds, the sun was still shining. The sun was still shining behind those clouds. If you got on an airplane that day and got above those clouds, guess what? The sun is still shining like it is right now. You just couldn't see it because the clouds were blocking it. But I promise you, the sun is still present. And the Son of God is still present in your life no matter what you're facing, no matter how big the storm may look, no matter how noisy, no matter how loud. Guess what? God is still God. And He's still present. And the storm will end. The storm will end. Same will happen in the spiritual. You may not always see the sun, but I promise you, the sun is always there. Remember, if it had not been for the storm, Peter would have never discovered he could walk on water. He could have never realized the power of God. We sometimes would never realize, if not for the storm, what God can really do in our lives. Now, I want to tell you something. I don't believe God brings storms. Now, Jonah, okay, we'll check that one off. Jonah created that one. All right? That, that's one of the few times I can assure you that storm, God helped that one start somewhere, right? That, that one started because of Jonah's rebellion. But I don't think God just sends a storm on Frank Thomas's life. Let's see if you can handle this one, son. <laughs> It doesn't happen that way, but storms happen to us all. We read in Matthew chapter 7, whether you're on the foundation of a rock or whether you're on a foundation of sand, it's going to rain. Storms are going to come. Wind is going to come. The foundation is what matters, not when or if or why it came. A couple of things I want to point out. Jesus knows and cares when we're in a storm. I want you to know that this morning. When you are in the middle of a storm, Jesus knows and he cares that you're in the storm. Where was Jesus when the storm began? You can ask that question in Matthew chapter 14. We know where he was. He was on the mountain praying. He was up on the mountain praying. That's where Jesus was. Did he care what disciples were going through? Obviously so, because he showed up, right? He showed up. Now, I've, I've never really pondered. I was thinking about this week. I wonder how he was going to get there all along. Like, he sent them in the boat. Y'all go to the other side. Was he going to walk around? Was he going to get another boat? I don't know if the storm created a, a detour. I don't know if he was going to walk across the water anyway. But all I know is when the storm happened, the storm came, guess what? Jesus still showed up. Were the disciples out of the will of God? They did exactly what Jesus told them to do, didn't they? Get in the boat and go to the other side. Now what happens between here and the other side, I can't always guarantee, but I can guarantee you that he will show up. Right in the middle of my mess, right in the middle of my storm, right in the middle of the wind and the rain and the snow and the hell and whatever else happens, guess what? He will show up. So it doesn't matter where he is, it's matter where he's going to be. And he's going to be right there with me. He's going to be right beside me. He's going to lead me, he's going to guide me, he's going to direct me. So I want you to remember that today. I want to assure you that Jesus knows and Jesus cares. He cared so much for disciples that night, he came walking across the water to get them. It's raining sideways, Rick. He came to them in the middle of their storm. Jesus always draws near to us. In our storm. Number two, storms allow us to see ourselves. Storms allow us to see ourselves, too. Let's be honest. When you're in the middle of a storm, you're holding on for dear life. You see a different angle, doesn't you? Your perspective changes. Right? We shared that story. Pastor Mark and I were, were whitewater rafting a few years ago in the Golly River and got thrown out in heaven's gates or heaven help us, whatever it was. It was heaven something. But it was, felt more like hell, I won't lie. When we got out of that water. Is that okay to say that in church? I just did. That's what it felt like. Them two big old rocks. Well, it used to be one rock. Now the, the floods created two rocks and that water was like 58 degrees when you hit it. It's cold. Rick bailed before everybody else did. Uh, sideways. I was the last one in the boat and I'm looking around. I was the only one in the raft. It's the sink. I just got out. What else you do? I was on a rock. Not that foundational stuff, a bad rock in the middle of the river. But man, there's a point you're just grabbing. I mean, there, you hear whistles blowing. You're uh, I mean, I don't, how many of you have dropped into 58 degree water unexpectedly? Right? It looks pretty from the surface. It looks great. You get inside, it was cold. Man, you don't. You're you're just reaching and grabbing, and people are grabbing you. Man, when you you welcome that, you're just reaching for something in that moment. And that's sometimes that's what happens to us. We're just reaching, we're striving, we're, we're just trying to grab something to help us. I don't, but you know, you, you find out a lot about yourself in those situations. right? And you're like, "Whoa, that scary. We start living right. i am going to live better, right? Find out a little bit about ourselves. Adversity has a way of introducing us to our real self. You do not know what you're made of until you face some adversity in your life. It's a true story. Storms let us see life not in our perfect worldview, where everything's in the right place or a right order. Everything is there for a right reason, with the right label on the right shelf. Right? Some of you. How many of you are like that? How many ladies are like that? Everything is just so organized. Everything is labeled. Kelly's mom literally has uh, Ziploc baggies. She writes on their uh, (laughs) Q-tips. I mean, not that you can't see it's Q-tip. She still writes on, Sharon writes Q-tips, Eddie. You can joke to her about it. She writes Q-tips on the baggie. You're like, oh, it's clear. You can see it's Q-tips. But everything is labeled. But guess what? When, when, when storms show up, all those labels get thrown away. All your organization, all your pretty shelves in the middle of a storm, guess what? All that gets, gets dismoved. It's changing. Despite all that, Jesus still shows up. Despite the adversity. He shows up in our life, not as what we had planned or pretended to be, not our labels or our pretty shelves. He then tells us to take our eyes off the storm and to focus on him. Peter took the command of Jesus when he said, come. Not only did Peter, I mean, mean, Peter had some boldness, let's be honest. I mean, I I don't know anyone that's Ryan probably would have done that. Jesus, if that's you, bid me, come, right? Somebody, I mean, Peter had a little boldness. It was enough, I mean, the storm was still happening. You do realize that, right? The storm hadn't calmed yet. The storm hadn't calmed yet, and Peter was like, well, man, if that's Jesus. This is a game changer. Jesus is a game changer, right? And he says, come, and Peter went. He began to walk on water, but it's when he took his eyes off Jesus, he began to sink. Storms of life have a way of knocking the props out from underneath us and helping us. It, see, it does allow us to help us see ourselves as we really are. And it's okay to come to this church and not be perfect. I'll be the first person to tell you that. It's okay to come here and not be perfect. Because there's no perfect people here. If you're looking for a perfect church, don't come back, because we're not perfect. We're close. A few of us are really, really close. Some of us are really, really off. Right? I'm one of those really, really off ones. Right? But there's no perfect people here. No perfect people. See? you're It's okay to not be okay and still come here. Jesus still shows up in the middle of our storms when we're not perfect, when we're not okay. He still shows up in our lives. I learned a long time ago, storms take away the cosmetic appearance of our life. They clear the facade. They cut out the junk. It's okay to admit you're not okay. There are times if I allow them, it can be a time of renewal in my life when I go through storms. There are times that allow me to draw closer to God during these storms. Number three, storms can bring spiritual growth in our lives. And I say can bring. Can bring because it's up to us to determine whether we allow Jesus to help us grow in that situation or through that situation. Storms do not automatically bring growth. But if we encounter the storm with the right mindset, we really grow from it. or we can grow from it. Here's what the Bible says in Hebrews 12, 11. For the moment all discipline, or let's use the word storms, seems painful rather than pleasant. But later it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Who have been trained by it. All right? Afterwards, it says, afterwards you get the fruit. Afterwards you get the peace. When? After the storm has passed. That's when it shows it. You've got to go through something to get something. You've got to go through it to get it. Do you notice when the peaceful fruit of righteousness came? It came after the storm. It came after the storm. If you want to learn from the storm, you got to, it takes a decision. There's a lordship issue. Let's start there. The only way to learn in the storm is you, you must realize who's lord of your life. You have to realize who is lord of your life. God, I'm willing to let you have control of my life. I'm willing to let you run my life. I'm willing to let you, sovereign God, be in charge of my life. And I'm willing to take my hands off my life and allow you to run it, and the eye yeah, will leave me. And when you do that, and God, you can run it the way you want it, not the way I want it. And when I do that, now in the middle of a storm, there is no lordship issue. Because when I get in the middle of a storm and I haven't decided who's Lord, man, we're fighting. There's a greater war on there's a greater storm on the inside than there is on the outside sometimes, because I'm trying to figure out who's in control. God's got to be in control. You want, if you want to face the storm and you want to grow from the storm, you want to be renewed from the storm, you want to be strengthened from the storm, you've got to realize that God is the one in control, not you. Because if you're still debating that in the middle of the storm, the storm's only going to get worse. It doesn't get better. You need to make that decision before the storm. It's like when well, my whole family shows up, all four of my kids, and we're all sitting there, and all of a sudden we're fighting over the remote. You ever fight over a remote at your house? Right? Whoever has that remote's in power. We're watching what I want to watch, right? Lord of the remote, King of the remote, whoever's got the remote. And that's what happens with the life of Jesus. Well, no, that's my remote, God. I'm sorry. I'm, I, I'm controlling the volume, I'm controlling what channel we watch. And if, you, if that's your situation, I promise you, your storm's going to last a lot longer than it needed to because you have a lordship issue. You have a lordship issue. Once I settle the lordship issue in my life, from that point on, anything that happens to me is going to help me because I've already let Christ take control of my life. I've already let Christ take control of my life. But the moment I tell God He has control and I give up my rights and obey Him in every area, then when I encounter a storm, I'm not in the storm because of an independent decision I've made. I'm now in a storm that God can calm, that God can settle, or that God can lead me through. I haven't made a decision if he's Lord of my life to put me in that storm. He is now leading, he's now guiding, he's now directing my life. When Jesus said, get in the boat and get to the other side, and the storm came, the one thing the disciples could say is, we are right where Jesus told us to be. We're right where Jesus told us to be. Therefore, I can say, I'm in the midst of a storm. The waves are pouring, the boat is creaking, but I'm right where Jesus wants me to be. And he will show up. Learning from storms requires living with a sense of destiny. Storms are just part of our lives. I want you to remember this. Storms are part of our lives, but they are not the only thing in our lives. And so many times, let's be honest, how many days did it rain this week? By the showing of your hands, how many days did we have rain here in Charleston this week? I see one. Caleb says four. Chloe says four. Jordan says three. Where are you all at? Rocky says All days. Five, I remember two. I, I saw Thursday, uh, Friday, and Saturday. Did it rain the Tuesday? So we had three days? Yeah. Friday and Saturday, Pastor says. You see what I'm saying? We remember how many days of the sunshine? Y'all be like, oh, I don't know. We all, re- we all remember the gray days, don't we? We all remember when it was nasty out. We don't remember the pretty days, do we? You ever notice that? We focus on the negative. We never focus on the positive, do we? Well, did you know it rained all day Friday? It rained all day Friday, David. All day, of the outside. David, it's beautiful right now. I don't care, but it rained all day Friday. Isn't that our mindset? Isn't that how we think? We just see what's negative, and we never see that it's no longer raining today. We just remembered it ruined our Friday. My baseball game got canceled. Huh? I was supposed to do something outside at Coonskin. I couldn't play golf because it rained all day. That's all we remember. But we don't remember that it's gone. It's over. It's past. We focus so much on the negative that we forget there are positives. So storms are part of our lives, but they're not the only part of our lives. And the only way that we can ever endure the storm is to realize that something comes after it. Something comes after the storm. Something comes after it. Jesus, Just as Jesus endured the cross... Because he realized that on the third day there would be a resurrection. There would be an Easter. We've got to go through storms of life. We've got to go through death before we have a resurrection. So many Christians want to have the resurrection and the sunshine every Sunday, every day of their lives. When they, Sometimes you have to die to yourself before you can live. We don't realize we can never truly live until we get through the storm first. It's death, then resurrection. There must be a good Friday in your life before there ever is an Easter Sunday. We all go through things. We all have seasons of joy and seasons of frustrations. And when I know, though, my kingdom outlook changes when I know that, when I focus on that. Matthew chapter 6, verse 25 to 33, the middle of the Sermon on the Mount. That's where Jesus is telling us not to worry, not to be anxious. Uh, I think King James uses the word Anxious. It says, don't be anxious for your life. Don't worry about what you're going to wear. Don't worry about... And this is where we go into the flowers of the field and, 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 the, and the birds of the air. And, and Solomon's not arrayed as some of these. When, of course, it ends up in verse 33, that seek you first, the kingdom of God. And all these things will be added unto you. Man, if there's, if there's one message I probably need to listen to more, it's that one. I need Jesus to tell me more not to worry. I need Jesus to tell me more not to be anxious. I need Jesus to tell me more, Don't be, don't be so fearful, don't be so fretful all the time. Man, I need, I need Matthew 6 every day in my life to remind me, Don, it's going to be okay. I got this. It's going to be okay. We, I need that part of the Sermon on the Mount to be present in my life every single day. That's the one I need to listen to the most because I get anxious. How many of you get anxious? How many of you worry? How many of you have stress and fears? And most of us, because of stuff we can't control. We need that in our lives every day. We need Matthew 6. We need more of Matthew 6 in our life. I need to hear Jesus tell me to worry less and concentrate more on Him. I need to be reassured that God loves the birds and the grass and the lilies. And guess what? He loves me too. I need to have more faith to get me through the confusing times. I need to find greater joy in God who knows my needs before I ask. I need to rejoice in the love and the power of God. So I'll ask you this question this morning. Will you give Jesus a chance? Will you give him a chance to show up in the middle of your storm? Will you give him a chance? The Bible says in Psalm 91 if the Lord had not been my help, my soul would have soon have lived in the land of silence. When I thought my foot slips, your steadfast love, O Lord, held me up. When the cares of my heart are many, your consolations cheer my soul. Gosh, that's good. That's the God who helps me. That's my Savior. That's my King. That's the one who helps me. He holds me. He guides me. He goes on to say in Isaiah 41.10, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. That's the God I serve. That's the God who shows up in the middle of my storm. That's the one who wants to show up in the middle of my mess and say, I'm here. I'm here to help. I'm here to solve. I'm here to be present. All through the Bible, God gave, people gave God a chance. And when they did, Isaiah 41.10 showed up in their lives. The three Hebrew children in the fiery furnace, they gave God a chance. <laughs> I would say that fiery furnace was a storm, right? I'd call that. Yet they did not face it alone. Daniel in the lion's den, he gave God a chance. Guess what? Daniel didn't face, God alone, didn't face the lion's in alone. Isaiah 41.10 proved itself true in his life. Let me remind you today that we're not perfect people. We strive for it, but we're not. God did amazing things with flawed people. He ended Philistine rule with a young boy and a slingshot. A prostitute named Rahab gave shelter to ten spies, and she ends up in the family tree of Jesus. A demon-possessed man was set free, the madman of Gadaran, who became a missionary, and a Jesus-hater named Saul, who was converted and became Paul and wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He uses flawed people all the time. There are no perfect people. Here's the good news. He wants to continue to do great things with flawed people. We must learn to give him a chance. Will you give him a chance today? You may be saying your failures and your storms have disqualified you. Let me remind you of Abraham and David and Samson and Gideon and Peter and many others. They felt the same way too. They didn't let their failure define them. Rather, they let God define them. They accepted his forgiveness, and they moved on. Let me say this. It's perfectly fine here at LFC to admit you're not okay. It's okay to admit you need help. For in our opinion, this is the place you get help. Right here. This is where you get help. Not out there. They sang a song. um, I think it's Song Healer by Casting Crowns. I love that line. It says, we've been trusting in the broken to make us whole. If you're trusting in the world to make you whole, it's broken, man. They can't make you whole. Only one can make you whole. And his name is Jesus Christ. His name is Jesus Christ. Don't get me wrong. I'm a man of faith. I believe we should always believe for the best. But there are times we need help. There are times we need instruction. There are times we need to heed the signs. And realize we need some help or someone to intervene in our lives. One of the greatest shortcomings in life is that people will not admit they need help spiritually. No one always has it all together. There are many times when we must know and when to ask Christ for help. Two things real quick, and we're going to wrap this up. What I found out in my storms, I have to find they. I know, it's bad English. I'm from Boone County. You have to find they. The three Huber children was They. There's three of them. There's three people. They they went in that fiery furnace together. Now I thought about that this week too. Any one of them could have backed out, right? Shadrach, Meshach, Shadrach could have said, "Guys, I'm out. <laughs> I'm gonna kneel and I'm I'm gonna repent." Some of us have done. God, I have my fingers crossed. My kneel. It was a fake kneel, God. Right? I'll ask for forgiveness. Right? That's what we would have said. I'm going to bow, and then I'll ask God to forgive me. You know what? They did not do that. They stuck together. When you're going through a storm, I believe you need to find like-minded people, and you need to surround yourself with people that can support you, that can be some strength for you. Moses had Aaron, right? He had somebody hold his arm. Every time his arm would fall, they'd losing the battle. Aaron would hold his arms up, and the battle, they would win. And we need a support system behind us. That, that four men that took their friend to Jesus, that ripped off that roof, that he found a they. He found they. He found four guys or four friends that were willing to do anything. You need to surround yourself with they. It can't just be you going through a storm. You need to have a boat full of people while you're in the middle of that mess, while you're in the middle of that wind, while you're in the middle of that rain, so you have a support staff. So when one of you start doubting, or someone else's faith begins to rise up. You also need to learn to worship through it no matter what. No matter what happens, you've got to be able to worship Him. You've got to be able to praise Him. As hard as it is, as frustrating as it is, as questionable as it is, you've got to worship Him. Because in the middle of that mess, in the middle of that worship, I promise you He's going to show up. I promise He's going to show up. I'm not telling you today to deny the storm. The wind is real. The rain is real. The pain is real. But I want you to know, so is my Jesus. So is my King. In the middle of my fiery furnace, in the middle of my lion's den, He is there. Listen to this. He's not there as an observer. He's not there to diagnose it. He's not there to, to help me uh, figure out what's going on. How'd you get here, Don? No, he's there to help me solve it. And he's here to help me ride through it. Not every storm gets a peace be still. But if it's not a peace be still, you'll get peace I'm here. He may not calm it. What's the song say? Sometimes he calms the storm. Other times he calms the child. Peace be still may not happen in my storm, but I can tell you that peace is here in the middle of my storm. Why? Because Jesus is in the boat with me. Let's bow our heads. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. And Lord, so many times in our lives, it's easy to hear the wind and the rain and the the storm in our lives, the bad reports, the, the diagnosis. The questions raise and rage in our minds. And, Lord, so many times those questions turn into silent moments where it's just us and we feel so alone. And, Lord, we need to let you in. We need to give you a chance to do what you can do. So, Lord, for those in the middle of the storm today, which maybe all of us are, let us know, Lord, that you are nearby, you are coming, and you understand. And, Lord, in the middle of that storm, may we worship May we be able to praise you. May we be able to seek your face. In Jesus' name we pray. You keep your heads bowed real quick. Jesus wants you to know he loves you this morning. I don't know what kind of storm you're facing. Maybe you're not facing a storm. Maybe you just got out of a storm. You know what? That's even more powerful because you're a testimony. You can support someone that's going through a storm because you've just came through a storm. But maybe you're in this place today and you're in a storm. You don't know which direction to go. You don't know which way's up. You don't know which way's left or right. And you just want prayer. Say, Don, that's me. I want to pray for. Pray for me, Don. Anyone else? Say, Don, I'm in the middle of a mess. I need your prayers. Anyone else? I see that hand. God bless you. Anyone else? I'm in the middle of a mess. I see that hand. God bless you. You know what? Jesus is in the, Jesus is here. <laughs> Not only is he in this room, but he's in the middle of the storm you're facing. And the questions, your doubts, your frustrations, he wants you to know that he's got this. So we're going to sing the song of worship. I asked Greg to sing. We... We heard this at the Casting Crown song, and I thought it was relevant to today. And I want to ask you to raise to your feet. If you need prayer for any reason, uh, I want you to listen to the words of the song. And if you need me to pray with you, I'm here. This altar is open if you want to come and pray by yourself. Uh, so would you come right now in Jesus' name? Sing with us.